the second episode of our Pitch Side Experts podcast. We're in the second week of April 2020. And I think it's fair to say we're still in a very similar position, unfortunately, as a week ago when we did our opening podcast where it's locked down in most places. So it's a time for another a few minutes of historical look at cricket and maybe a distraction from all that goes on around us. And with me, uh, Tom Moody, a two-time World Cup winning captain, of course, a former coach of Sunrisers Hyderabad, whom he coached to championships. Freddie Wilde with us as well, author, analyst. What else can I say uh, about you, Freddie? Uh, it's a good day and good morning, good night to Tom and Freddie, where you are in Australia and England. I'm sitting comfortably in my home in the warm, sunny Caribbean. Hello to you. Yeah, hi Bish and hi Freddie. Yeah, well, it's not sunny now because it's evening here in Perth, but uh, we've had a nice sunny day and uh, I just echo your sentiments as well. We obviously um, are still going through some challenging times uh, all around the world and certainly hope that um, our topic today, which I'm very, very excited about, Freddie, mm. and it's something I know that you feel very passionate about, uh, is going to, I suppose, take our listeners on a bit of a journey. Yeah, yeah. Well, when when we sat down as a three and decided that we wanted to do this podcast, I think this was one of the the first topics that we we said we wanted to talk about. Um, so I think we're all very very keen to get stuck into it. And I'm fish. I'll, I'll hand it over to you to introduce it. Well, before I introduce it, I just want to preface this by by saying I, I was just sitting over the last couple of days and just going over so many good things that happened in the world game uh, prior to the outbreak of this pandemic. I, and Tom, I know that you can share in this as well. I look back at Australia's victory in the Women's T20 World Cup, where we saw Alyssa Healy dominate Beth Mooney, um, Australia winning again. Uh, we saw Shepali Verma, a new T20 sensation from India. And then I was thinking test cricket guys, and I was thinking of all the fantastic fast bowlers that we've seen the arrival of Jameson from New Zealand. Of course, we continue to see Jofra Archer in different forms of the game, even though his form has tailed off in Test Match cricket of late Rabada. All of these great things with Bolt and Bumrah, Shami and all these guys. So many wonderful things. And I've called all the fast bowlers there, but spin is a thing that sort of predominates the shortest format of the game. And that is what we're going to stick with today in T20 cricket and the effectiveness of spin. Um, and I think it's it's an excellent topic to talk about because when I look through the test bowling, uh, Tom and Freddie and for our listeners, I see the top 10 test bowlers dominated by Anderson Bold, all of these fantastic fast bowlers. Uh, when I look through the ODI bowling, I'm seeing Bold and Bumrah. Uh, Cummins, Robada, all these guys, but then I get to T20 international bowling and I'm seeing spin predominate. And my question to start things off is why has spin been so effective in the shortest format of the game? Did we see this? Just to repeat last week's question, one of them, did we see this coming? Well, I certainly uh, didn't see it coming at all. Um, one thing that not only myself, but I think what was being sort of echoed through the corridors of our game was the concern for spin bowlers. Because one, 
you know, you, you're suddenly introducing a new format where you've got 120 balls. Each bowler has only got 24 balls. So there's enormous pressure already on the bowlers. Uh, then we've got a situation which I don't think is talked out enough because we've we've got used to it, where all the grounds that we play at are now with boundaries. You know, many, many years ago, you would play at the MCG, for argument's sake, and the boundary was the fence. So to hit a six, square of the wicket at the MCG, you are hitting it 90 metres. And if you're hitting a six straight at the Adelaide Oval, you're hitting it 90 metres. But now all the grounds that we play at are all around about 65 metres. You may get the odd one that pushes close to 70, but in general, it's let's say it's between 65 and 70 metres square and straight. So there is another point that, wow, how are spinners going to survive in this shorter format? Opposition teams are just going to line up and swing through the line with a ball that's a little bit slower through the air and they can use their feet as well comfortably and just launch them into next week. But so interesting, it's it's really done a backflip on us. And what we've what we've seen, which is what we're going to talk about in detail today, is the spinners just absolutely dominate this format. And it puts a smile on my face to, to say that because they have found a way to be smart enough to navigate this game. Just to jump in there, just a brief comment on, on what Moods was saying in terms of why we thought they would struggle is that when T20 came around, it had um, big hitters on small boundaries. And I think it's almost an immediate like um, response of, of fighting fire with fire. And people thought, you know, um, if you've got a big, strong batsman wielding a big piece of willow, then, you know, the best way to stop him is bowl fast. Um, actually, the, 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 the truth has been very different to that. Um, and and as, as Tom said, they've managed to find a way to succeed against against all the odds. And I think, you know, initially it was, you know, some people, I don't, in fact, for, for, for my book, we spoke to Shane Warne about this. He, he said, you know, there were people saying they thought spin bowling might die out in T20 cricket. You know, that, that's the kind of language that was being used at the beginning. And it's just amazing to think how different it's been. Not only have, have they managed to survive but they've, they've managed to thrive. And, and that's what we're going to try and get stuck into today as to why that is the case. Just to, just to add to the point you mentioned about the pace bowlers and, and the reason we naturally thought, and Bish, you're better equipped as a, a former um, you know, express bowler in that their greatest weapon was, yes, to bowl it fast, but, but is more importantly to intimidate. So from a batsman's point of view, if you're standing and delivering, you generally do that off the front foot. You don't do that off the back foot. So you're launching your front leg down the wicket, whether you do that on a straight line or you splay it like we do see a lot of batsmen uh, that are looking to power hit. They just that they open their front leg up and then they just hit through a good length or a foolish length. But if you if you've got some decent pace, you're going upstairs and then you're asking different questions because, yes, you can hit someone that's bowling 90 miles an hour if they're bowling in the arc, but if you don't know whether you're going to get one that's going to hit you in your left ear if you're a right-hander or if you're a left-hander hit you in the right ear, it's a different ball game. You know, suddenly their, their swinging arc has changed dramatically and their, their courage 
to take on someone that's got genuine pace is going to be questioned. Yeah, and those genuine bowlers, uh, fast bowlers, are a few and far between now. So are we saying then, I mean, if I look at it from a, broad, a broader spectrum, I look at the test bowlers, the top 10, all fast bowlers, just one spinner in the top 10 in ODI bowling. The boundaries are a little smaller in the modern game. The pitches are a lot better. Um, the ball, the white ball in ODI cricket, and white ball cricket swings a lot less. So all of those factors have impacted on the effectiveness to some extent of the faster bowler in the game. Uh, if you get a guy who can swing the ball, then it's a different story. But Freddie, just some numbers. I don't know if you can bring and highlight some numbers for me. Um, because when I look at the top 10 bowlers in T20 internationals, I can barely find a fast bowler in there. Just enlighten us as to how the leagues and T20 cricket around the, the world have been impacted by spin. Yeah, well, and I, I think from from statistical standpoint, um, in in Test cricket and ODI cricket, and you sort of touched on it there by talking about the rankings. Pace bowling has historically been more dominant, and and just going on basic bowling averages in Test cricket and in ODI cricket, pace bowlers average less than spin bowlers. Average runs per wicket. Um, pace bowlers are more affected by that measure. But in T20, it's the one format where that is not the case. Spinners average less. And, and that's largely based on their ability to, to prevent runs being scored. Both quicks and spinners take wickets at a fairly similar rate. Quicks generally are a little bit better at doing so, largely because they bowl at the power play and at the death, where wickets fall um, a lot more often. The big difference between quicks and spinners from a statistical standpoint in T20 cricket is the economy rate. Um, across the history of T20s, pace bowlers concede runs at 7.86 runs and over, spinners at 7.12. So that's more than half a run and over. And across an innings, that's amounting to a, 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 you know, 10, 12 runs or so which is a big, a big margin in the T20 format. And, and when you look more closely at those numbers, um, it's not only, you know, I think a lot of people might push back and say, oh, well, you know, as you said, quicks bowl more um, in the power play and at the death when run rates are also higher. So that's why they're more expensive. But if you look on a phase by phase basis, spinners are more economical than quicks in the power play and at the death. They might bowl less there. But they are more economical there. And in fact, if you break it down on every single over, it's a great chart, which I can post on Twitter at some point. Um, if you look at every single over of the innings, spin bowlers are more economical than quick bowlers. So their, their effectiveness, um, broadly speaking, is, is due, due to their ability to prevent runs. Um, and that is evident in all phases of the innings. So I think that the question that we're sort of asking ourselves here is, is why are spinners more effective at stopping runs, I think is their first thing. They are wicket-taking bowlers too, but I think their primary their primary skill is a defensive skill. They make it harder for batsmen to score runs. And 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 guys, I'd pose that to you. Why do you think that 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 is? What what is mm -hmm. the run-saving ability of spinners that makes it more difficult for quit for batsmen to score off them? Well, I'll, I'll jump in first, uh, Bish, if I may. Yeah. One, one of the things. Um, well, there's there's many many things, but one of the first things is is that what we have found is we've got spinners that turn the ball both ways, whether they be wrist spinners or finger spinners. Obviously, the finger spinners are doing it from the front of the hand, and they've got the the current ball, like the, you know the likes of Ashwin and Ajmal in the past, and Mendes from Sri Lanka in the past. 
Sunil Narayan from um, your hometown, Trinidad Bish from the West Indies, has been one of the best in the world in T20 cricket. So they're spinning the ball both ways and doing it without the batsman's understanding of what's coming down. 30 years ago, it was about survival. I need to read this ball. I need to make sure that I'm in and I'm staying in. Today, yes, survival is important, but it's not as important as the pressure on the batsman to score. So what we're seeing is batsmen, and I'm not saying this is all the batsmen in the world, but I would say certainly the majority of batsmen in the world because of T20 cricket and because of this huge influx of mystery bowlers that we've that we've we've seen over the last 10 years are just concentrating on how can and in some cases it's more about okay if Rashid Khan's bowling he's he's got four overs let's deny him wickets and just make sure we get one a ball off him and if we do that, if he goes for 24 without any wickets, that's a tick in our strategy plan for that game. So I think that the batsmen have also, because of what how the game has evolved, have also really been undone by shortcutting their whole process, how to read, spin and play it properly. Yeah, well, I, I, I certainly agree with, most if not everything that has been said there and to me that each way movement is absolutely critical in that entire phase because if we take that sort of template to seam bowlers who have done well for example in this format of the game if you have your express fast bowler that's one thing but guys who swing the ball and I want to go to one guy who bowls very well in the power play in the IPL and for India, uh, Chahar, um, Deepak Chahar. Because he swings the ball in each direction, it's made him very, very effective in the power play in this form of the game. So that tells me a story that one batsman needing to generate the pace and the power on the ball uh, when the ball is moving in each direction is very, very effective. And just to your point, Freddie, one other thing that I usually draw reference to. If you're trying to hit the ball, Tom, to different parts of the ground, I put a stationary tennis ball down on the ground. Stationary ball and a batsman standing there. He can hit it down the ground. He can hit it to extra cover. He can hit it to mid-wicket. But you try to generate pace to hit a stationary tennis ball down to third man and down to fine leg. It's almost impossible unless you can turn around and smack it there. So what that tells me is that a spinner can block off or bowl to certain parts of the field more effectively than if there's pace on the ball. Yeah, I think you've just summed up, you know, the, 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 both of you there have summed up the two primary reasons why, um, uh, you know, from a sort of very, from a physical standpoint, why spinners are so much more effective. It's the lateral movement, complicating attacking batting, uh, making it harder to swing through the line of the ball. And then as Bish says, the, the pace off the ball uh, means that the batsman has to generate their own speed. Um, and that also sort of has, has um, uh, hidden consequences or hidden benefits as well in terms of setting your field. Um, as, as a pace bowler, no area of the field is sort of unable to be accessed nowadays, especially with batsmen able to ramp and scoop. 
you know, if, as soon as the ball's coming down, you know, anywhere near sort of 75, 80 miles an hour, you can get down and start, you know, manipulating the field and scoring behind square. For spin bowl against spinners, that's a lot more difficult. So they're able to lock down areas of the field. Um, you're able to set your field more more easily for that. Um, and I think that's the, that's. And I think we've seen a lot of a lot of big hitters in T20 cricket rely on that sort of. Um, that pace on the ball and ability to swing through the line of the ball. And when spinners come into the attack, just on a very basic level, they're simply bowling slower. So you've got to create, you know, you've got to time the ball better and you've got to have a better, cleaner swing um, to make a good contact. Um, I think in the early years of T20 cricket, and we'll probably get onto this in a, in a little bit more detail later in the show, but before, in the very sort of first four or five years, the spinners that had success, and this was largely in England, um, a guy called Jeremy Snape, who played for Leicester, he didn't turn the ball in both ways. And that's obviously a massive benefit, which, you know, moods you've touched on and the ability to turn the ball in different directions makes them even more effective. But Jeremy Snape turned the ball, well, he hardly turned the ball. To call him a spinner would almost not be accurate. He just was a slow bowler and he had huge success because he wasn't bowling quickly. And that's, the, you know, that, that was the beauty of his, of his success in the early years. Yeah, I used to liken his bowling to like bowling confetti. You know, if you, if you had a handful of confetti and threw it, that's how it feels like the ball's trying to arrive to you. It just sort of disappears in the air. But, uh, you know, he, he had a very clever uh, way of doing it. Now, not only was his style um, effective because of that very slow pace, but he used also at times he'd bowl off 20 three or 24 yards so he'd bowl from well behind or next to the umpire he'd also use the angle of the crease and that's what i want to touch on is is that the other advantage the spinner has i feel against pace bowlers is that number one i feel spinners against pace bowlers are better match up um it's a better match-up skill than a pace bowler is. So, for instance, if you've got a left-hand batsman that's coming in, your off-spinner bowling round the wicket or over the wicket creates really interesting and challenging angles for a, for a top-order batsman. Uh, the left-arm spinner, obviously, to the right-hand batsman, using the crease bowling wider the crease angling the ball into that leg stump and straightening off that line is also effective also the left arm spinner to the right hand of bowling over the wicket into the leg stump or into his ankle line it, you're then closing down a significant amount of the field for him to be able to score unless that player is an exceptional reverse sweeper or whatever the case may be but not every batsman has the kevin peterson or the ab de Villiers uh, you know, skill set to be able to, you know, hit the ball wherever they like uh, from whatever angle. So it's it's not only what they're doing in the air, as in the change of pace, but it's the angle of release on the crease line, and it's also going over and around the wicket to create interesting and challenging angles, depending on who's coming to the crease. So from that that point of view, though, the the way. Absolutely right, Moods, um, because you get these left-arm spinners who bowl the new ball to right-handers and these matchups that you're talking about. And so many of the guys that you in, had in your team, Shaqib Al-Hassan, he never tried to spin it. He just bowled straight at the stumps, which would sort of emulate a seamer bowling right-arm over into the stumps. But the other aspect of that that I see when the ball is actually spinning, and one of the big things that I wanted in the CPL, for example, 2019, 
was for the many left-arm spinners in the Caribbean to actually turn the ball, to actually try to spin it. Because, for example, with a right-handed batter, so many guys, I think, have that hitting arc from the bat coming down from the off stump into the onside. And when you can take the ball outside of a batter's eye line and the reverse goes for the left-hand batter as well, it makes it so much more challenging rather than the ball coming into the batter. I don't know if anyone wants to add to that, yeah. but for me, taking the ball outside of most, not all, most batters' eye line is absolutely critical. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll add to that because it's a very interesting point. There's, you know, I'd be interested to hear what Freddie's got to say as well about this. The, the one thing that I encourage from a coaching perspective is whenever you have your spinning uh, or spinner or your spinning uh, squad, you've got to encourage them to continue to spin the ball. Yeah. That's their greatest weapon. The right. biggest fear and the biggest uh, problem that spinners face when they, are, when they do face the headwinds of this game is they tend to bowl faster and faster. And it's a natural instinct of trying to survive. But their best way to survive is by continuing to get it to move off the straight. So the, the, the more revs they put on the ball against the more pace they put on it by bowling faster, it, number one, it gives them a chance of taking a wicket, which is the value of that is just enormous. And number two, it, it makes it harder for the batsman to hit through the line, as you're talking about, and just launch it in their favourite arc, whether that's over mid-on or whether that's over mid-wicket, wherever it may be. But it's to be brave enough to do that. And that, that comes with experience and it comes with confidence, but it also comes with an environment in a team where the captain, the coach, the senior players embrace that f philosophy and trust that player to do that and encourage him to continue to turn the ball. And, and Fish, you, know, you, you were talking there about the, the left-arm spinner turning the ball away from the right-hander and the off-spinner turning the ball away from the left-hander. Um, and they're just the finger spin matchups we're talking about. And, 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 and you know, we, we touched on the fact that swing bowlers and you alluded to Chahar and one of the fact, you know, one of his benefits, I guess, is that he can move the ball both ways. Mm. Um, spinners can control that and you know what they're, you know, you know which way they're going to do it and they can do it reliably. So whilst Chahar can move it, it's slightly dependent on the ball and slightly dependent on the conditions. And as we said, the white ball doesn't move as much as um, or doesn't move as much through the air for, for quicks. Um, as it does in red ball cricket. So what you have there is the ability to know with confidence that you can take the ball away from the bat. And and, and I think squads, the, um, modern day squads are becoming more and more aware of this. And, and Moods did it at Sunrisers with the pairing of Naby and Shakib. is you would pick Naby against teams who had a lot of left-handers because you knew he could turn the ball away from the bat. And you'd pick Shakib against teams who had a lot of right-handers because he'd be turning the ball away from the bat. And again, it's out of that hitting arc that Bish was talking about, that sort of the ability to step and hit and swing towards sort of, you know, cow corner is, is a sort of classic trait of the modern batsman. And the ability to, to, to pitch the ball and take it away from that arc is so valuable. And it's something moves that you did at Sunrise and then more and more teams are doing. Um, it's just playing to matchups and spinners. Matchups is a massive part of the modern game and spinners enable that more than more than quicks and that's a, you know, a key reason why they're more effective and just before moods gets in and answers that that to think the other thing the other way it goes with seamers as well is that 
the slower balls that seamers usually revert to depending on whether they're playing on a pitch that grips is that they'll bowl the off-cutting slower ball to a left-handed batter a lot of the time and a leg-cutting slower delivery to a right-hander who's on the go a lot of the time. Not always, but a lot of the time. And my question really is, does that lend itself ready? I think there's a chapter in your book where you said right-handed batters face at about 70% or something yeah. of deliveries in T20 cricket. Tom, are we heading to the stage now where it's almost a given and becoming more important to sort of have more left and lend a better balance to batting lineups then? You must have a couple at least left-handed batsmen to try to to effect better matchups against that variety of bowling. Without a doubt, Bish. Without a doubt, when you're at the auction table or at a draft table, right. one of the many things you need in your strategy is in your top seven to have an even balance of left-right combinations. Now, I'm not saying that it's absolutely necessary that you've got to, out in the middle, constantly have a left-right-hand combination. Yes, in an ideal world, that would be nice because then you prevent the opposition setting up with those predictable matchups that that have proven over time to to be statistically the right move whether it be to reduce runs or to take wickets i'm not saying that that's totally necessary but it is necessary to combat any strategy that your opponent's potentially throwing to you and the other thing that you need to take into consideration is that some grounds are not the perfect circle. Mm. So you're going to have a situation where you have one side that may only be 60 metre boundary, where the other side might be 70. And if you've got, you know, your left-right-hand combination, you've always got the ability to access that 60 metre boundary and cash in with a series of sixes. So that one big over that can just turn a contest on its head, that's only three strikes away. That's 18. Three sixes, bang, you've got 18, you're out of the contest. Or hang on a sec, we've arrived back into the contest purely because we've had the smarts in our thinking with regards to making sure we've always got the ability to access that 60-metre boundary. And, and you know, what, what, what we've been talking about here is um, the left-hand, right-hand combination being able to sort of uh, neuter the effect of the ball spinning away from the bat. Now, what what's... Um, this is where mystery spin, spin elevate themselves on another level in the fact that they have the ball, to, the ability to spin the ball both ways. Now, I, I touched on earlier, and it's something that I'd quite like to, to talk about just briefly, if I may, about how um, in the early years of T20, as I said, the guys who had success, Jeremy Snape was the one that I mentioned, essentially had success through bowling slowly. Now, what we saw um, from around 2008, um, was the emergence of a new type of spin bowler in T20. And that was the likes of Saeed Ajmal, Sunil Narine, Matai Muralitharan, Harbhajan Singh, Pragyan Oja in the IPL. These guys were finger spinners, but they were more than your conventional finger spinner because they had mystery. They had the ability to bowl a Dusra or the ability to bowl a Karen ball, and that meant they could turn the ball both ways. And what we've just been talking about there is being able to try and counter that with right hand, left hand. Well, if, if Murali spinning the ball both ways, then it, that's, that's, that, you, you can't do that so effectively. And so between, I think broadly speaking, between 2008 and around 2015, 
they were the bowlers that had huge success in T20 cricket. It was mystery spinners. Narine burst onto the scene in the Champions League and then was had huge success for KKR. Ajmal was phenomenal for Pakistan. Um, and then th- there was a change that happened, and that was around 2015. Um, the ICC, it was a, just in the lead-up towards the 2015 World Cup, they had a bit of a clampdown on, on suspect actions, and, and that forced a few of those guys to go away and remodel their bowling actions. Narayan was one of them. Um, and Ajmal was another, and they came back, and they have, in, in, you know, to Narayan's credit, that he has continued to be absolutely phenomenal um, since that point, but he has changed his bowling style slightly. And since 2015 and that clampdown, we've seen the emergence of wrist spinners, and this is now we're in the, the era of wrist spin, and Rashid Khan has led that, but he's not the only one. We've had Chahal, we've had Shadab, we've had Kuldeep for a left-arm version, Tahir, and now we're in that era and, uh, where, where largely the, the spinners that dominate in T20 are wrist spinners. And, and, and I think that's just quite an interesting progression that we've seen across the last sort of 10 years or so. Um, but the key theme, I suppose, for both eras, the finger spin, mystery spin and the wrist spin, is the ability to turn the ball both ways. That is what has meant that those guys have been so successful. Turn it at pace as well. Uh, apart from Kuldeep, yeah. Rashid Khan, who, who Tom has overseen a lot, Bowls at an extremely fast pace. Sunil Narine, at his very best, uh, was pace on the ball, back of a length. Imran Tahir, uh, pace on the ball, not your typical slow spinners, but guys who are able to bowl the ball into the pitch as well at a decent pace. Yeah. It's still slower yeah. than a quick bowler, so it's still being able to lock down the field. It's still You're still having the benefit of not bowling 85 miles an hour, but you're not bowling... As you said, you're not bowling 45 miles an hour or, or, or 75 kph. You're pushing 90, 95. And that speed and moods, you'll be able to talk about this having worked closely with Rashid. But it's that combination of flat trajectory, high speed and the ability to turn the ball both ways that I think makes those kind of bowlers so effective. Because how do you play that? How do you counter it? Well, I've been in many team meetings where the batsmen have said, <laughs> Coach, how do we play it? Well, yeah. <laughs> but it, it is difficult. And to, just to sort of expand on a little bit to why it's difficult. What, why it's difficult is those bowlers that you're referring to, and I'm going to throw Samuel Budry in there right, as well yeah. as one of yeah. the early pioneers, yeah. uh, who, very similar to Imran Tahir from South Africa, very similar style. Um but the, the reason why they're difficult is they're very, very hard to play and score effectively square of the wicket. So your you Rashid Khans, your Imran Tahirs, you've named them all, Freddie. All those top quality bowlers over the, over the recent past have been a nightmare for batsmen because they're very difficult to sweep conventionally, very difficult to reverse sweep, they're very difficult to cut. So a lot of batsmen like to be able to get deep in the crease and be able to come off the back foot and play square of the wicket, whether it be just on the off stump or even on the middle stump and hit the ball square of the wicket to accumulate runs. They're very difficult to do that because of the pace they generate off the wicket. So really, the batsman has got 50% of where he would normally like to score has been shut down or it's it's been made very difficult to score. So their focus is really from wide mid on to wide mid off and straight down the side, you know, down towards the side screen. So their window is very, very narrow. Because of their speed as well, you're having to play the more often than not from the crease 
you you haven't got time to come dancing down the wicket and you know clipping them through the offside or through the leg side because the pace the ball comes down and obviously the fear from a batsman's perspective of if I leave home I want to make sure I've got the ball with me <laughs> and I'm not leaving the ball behind me and your likes of your MS Dhoni or whoever it might be behind the sticks are saying oh it's another happy birthday and the bales go off and you just keep walking but that's why they're so difficult yeah and i just want to add one stat there to reinforce that point i was i did a, a, an analysis recently on sun on orion and, and one of the things i looked at was the percentage of balls that batsmen play off the front foot to Narayan, and it's 10 percent right 10 percent they're only able to get wow. on the front foot one right. in ten and that's the lowest right. of any bowler um, with a substantial data set in, in our database that you know that shows how difficult it is and that's you know, we alluded to it earlier the sort of step and hit that's the modern way you can't step and hit against Narayan because it's too short yeah well one of, one of the reasons that figure is at 10 percent Freddie in, in, in my view is because the point I made earlier is the batsman cannot read him out of the hand so they're trying to w- read him off the surface so there's number one a survival strategy as in I'm buying a little bit more time because I'm giving myself two more meters to read it off the pitch to then make the adjustment to either work it through the leg side or work it through the offside and hope, and I, I mean hope, that Narayan <laughs> may just drag one a little bit short on the odd occasion and they can pop it over mid-wicket for four or six. And but, you know, good luck waiting for the, that. The faster speed as well means that even if you do read it, you've just got less time to react. So the combination of all these factors come together and just create this, yep. as you said, you know, you sit in team meetings and say, how do we play these guys? Because it's such a fantastic combination that they've, you know, that they've managed to to, to find. And you're right, Badri was a leader in it. Afridi as well as someone who um, uh, Rashid mm. Khan often talks about being an inspiration. Those two were sort of the early pioneers of it. But we've seen it take over and a lot of, traditional wrist spinners are beginning to change their methods. I think Adam Zampa is one who traditionally or used to bowl a lot slower. He was probably modeling himself on Warren, which is a great idea, as he would as a leggy from Australia. But he's changed and is now bowling flatter um, and faster. And you're seeing the entire art of, of spin bowling being transformed by T20 cricket. Yeah. Just to, just to answer, answer the question, you know, a lot of the answers the batsman would say in team meetings would be, well, I'm just going to eliminate all the risk shots and these are the three options that I've got. So mm-hmm. normally a batsman against a bowler, whether it be spin or pace, will have a number of different options to, one, rotate the strike, which is absolutely critical because the the, the soaking up of dot balls is a complete no-no, um, as we know. Uh, and then they'll have their shots that they can hit through the field for ones and twos, and then they'll have their boundary options. So there's a, there's there's six to eight shot options that most batsmen will have in the in the back of their mind, depending on who's bowling and, and what, what stage of the game's at. But when it comes to your Rashid Khan or your Sunil Narayan or these, these special bowlers that we're referring to, they'll have three options. And some some may even limit that to two. So they just try to simplify the whole scoring process to combat the challenge of those 24 balls. Yeah, just to add a couple of names in there as well, Adil Rashid, Mujib Uriman, even though he struggled uh, more last IPL as guys who are very difficult to hit. I, I want to throw this out there then. Having talked 
about all that spin. And, and Freddie sort of put it out there. When you look at the numbers, spinners take, on average, their wickets cheaper than the seamers do in T20 cricket. Spinners are generally more economical than quicks in every phase of the innings. Just repeating what Freddie said, 8.26 for spin, over 9 for the faster bowlers, uh, averaging 24.5 per wicket, whereas the faster bowlers are over 25. Should we have more spinners in T20 cricket, as was almost the case, Tom, in the CPL last year, where the Amazon Warriors, who got to the final, were able to play five guys who were able to bowl slowly in any game that they played? And should we have more spin bowling on every phase of the game? Are we heading towards that, or is there still difficulty in displaying that? Oh, look, I, I'm personally not... Um... I wouldn't object to having a a heavy spin balance to 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 a side that that that, that I would coach. Um, How heavy? How heavy? I, I think though you have to take into consideration, you know, what, what what's your home ground? Mm. Does your home ground suit you to have that that strong balance of spin, uh, or are you playing on a on a ground that really the likes of a Rabada or a Mitchell Stark or a Trent Bolt or a Boomer or, or any of these type of bowlers are going to thrive. And then all your swing bowlers, Chahal, like you mentioned, or Bhuvaneshwar Kumar, another one of those quality yeah. swing bowlers that, that get it to bend both ways. So I think you need to take into consideration your fortress and making sure you own your fortress, being your home ground, right. and adapt your squad, both bat and ball, to that fortress and have the ability with your squad to be able to move from venue to venue and make those subtle adjustments. But from the top of my head, Bish, I would ideally like in any team at any venue in T20 cricket to have two specialist spinners, ideally one that's a wrist spinner, and and a finger spinner and ideally one that can spin it both ways, but that's, they're, they're like hen's teeth, but they're, they're, that's your ideal situation. On top of that, I'd like one of my top order batsmen to be a part-time spinner. Okay. So I've got the ability, not only I've got two spinners that I can bank on four overs. So I've nailed down eight overs already in my 20. I've got a top order batsman, that is a that is basically accountable for scoring runs, but if the conditions suit, or if there's a specific matchup, let's say for instance that top order batsman is an off spinner, if suddenly a left hander or a couple left handers are at the crease, I've got the ability to squeeze an over or two out of him for that for that particular matchup. And, and I'll just jump in briefly to, to say from from a from a and I agree with with what Mooj is saying in the sense your home venue is is massive and you have to have the ability to be flexible with it. But I think broadly speaking, there is no question about it. We should see more spin than we do in T20. And I think it's changing. The, the numbers are on the rise. Um, the proportion of overs bowled by spin is increasing slowly. Um, and I think the reason why we don't, I think there are two reasons. One is I think that classic fear response. I think there's still a a fear amongst captains that if spinners get if, if a batsman gets on top of a spinner, 
they can have they can sort of go to pieces. That is a sort of I think it's something which is a bit of a hangover, and particularly with with wrist spinners that you know wrist spinners in red ball cricket are always considered sort of risky picks. I feel like they might suddenly get the yips, they drag one short. But that doesn't happen so much in, in, in T20 cricket because I think we're talking about a different art of spin bowling. Leg spinners in red ball cricket try and bowl the same ball again and again, landing it on the same spot, tossing it up above the batsman's eye line. That's a risky strategy. Spinners in T20 cricket, as we've said, are bowling flatter and shorter. and I think it's more repeatable. So for that reason, I think spinners are, are safer than perhaps captains and coaches maybe realise. And the second thing as well is I think it's borrowed from longer forms of cricket in that in test cricket, traditionally, you have probably three quicks, and, and one spinner. Um, sometimes in Asia, you might have two, but largely attacks are pace dominant. And I just think that sort of basic balance has been carried over to the T20 game and it is changing. But the fact that spinners still bowl less than half the overs is kind of remarkable when we've, you know, the stats we've spoken about, the fact that they are dominating the rankings, they're more economical, they, can, they take wickets at a, l- a lower average, but they're still bowling less than half the overs. That, that is amazing. And I think we will in the coming years see that change and we you know Guyana was a great example mm. last year Moltan Sultan's just now in the PSL um, the PSL isn't a particularly spin dominated league but they bowled nearly half their overs um, with spin and they came top um, and Afghanistan um, with obviously Nabi, Rashid, Mujib, Kwais Ahmed they've got a, a huge group of spinners and they bowl a lot of spin um, I think in the coming 10 years if we have this chat in 10 years time I reckon the number will be above 50% for the percentage of overs bowled by spinners. You know, just just to just to add your point about the safety that coaches and captains have uh, with pace against spin, uh, I think that's also just a hangover of of the the habit of what we think is the better option. Um, and for whatever reason, I think a lot of people feel that if a spinner goes for let's say eighteen off and over it looks a lot worse than if a quick bowler goes for 18. Yeah. Because, you know, I think it's it's worn because of what we ha- have sort of traditionally been used to accepting and not accepting. We're not accepting a spinner getting launched out of the ground. But if a, if a quick gets a top edge goes for six and then a, a flick off the pads goes for four and then a big edge that beats third man because he's up in the ring because you've suddenly had a change of field it's the same number it's still 18 (laughs) you know that's the thing but I don't think mentally that that, that we've quite come to terms with with you know the point you're making that really if you if you had 10 goes at it spin versus pace spin will always come out on top and I think that as you as you quite rightly said I think over time we will see that number that number climb I mean, there's a lot of ways that, that that is fascinating. Numbers are fascinating there. The the opinions there, I find Freddie and Tom are, are quite fascinating. Uh, you go back to that PSL and only three of the top 20 wicket takers were spinners. Uh, and you can go across different leagues. And then to Tom's point, if I'm playing at the Chinaswami, will spin work as effectively for me if I'm playing at the Wanderers in Joburg, if I'm playing at Centurion in South Africa, Kensington Oval? in Barbados. So all of those are caveats, I suppose, that we'll take into consideration going forward. My final question, as we as we tend to come to the end of this, and Freddie touched on it, why are spinners, why? Tell me why for our listeners. Why are spinners so good in this format if we can go deeper into it? And the same guys are not 
or many of them are not as effective in red ball cricket, the longer formats of the game. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, this is something that I think is absolutely fascinating. I think it's it's one of the probably the most interesting development on the field that has happened in the last ten years in, in cricket is the divergence between T Twenty spin bowling and red ball spin bowling. That the bowlers that succeed in red ball cricket, or the spinners rather, that succeed in red ball cricket are not the same bowlers that bowl in white ball cricket. They are becoming different arts entirely. And I touched on it very briefly. Spinners in red ball cricket try and bowl largely the same ball again and again. Nathan Lyon is trying to hit that spot again and again. There'll be a patch of rough outside the off stump that he's trying to hit. He, he, he's one example. Maharaj Ashwin is someone who does well in T20 but doesn't play for India in white ball cricket. These guys, their bowling in rebel cricket is built on repetition, it's built on consistency, it's built on accuracy. Now in white ball cricket, spinners are defined by variation, by unpredictability, by defence as well. Their primary aim is to stop them, the batsman scoring, whereas in red ball cricket, the primary aim is to take a wicket. And what we've seen in the last 10 years is the two skills go in different directions to the point to which and uh, they can basically be considered as separate arts entirely. Um, and we saw Rashid Khan, he is try, he, he, he's the world's leading T20 spin bowler. He's played a couple of test matches. Um, he's, he's, he, he struggled to sort of adapt. Um, I don't think there's any spin bowler. Shaki is probably one off the top of my head who succeeds in red and white ball. Um, Mahedi Hassan at Bangladesh actually is another who plays in both. But there are very, very few bowlers who can succeed in red and white ball. And I think that that is, is really interesting. And I wonder, and this is definitely a question for another day, mm. but I wonder whether that will happen in other aspects of the game, you know, pace bowling and batting as well, if we're going to see a divergence there. Because um, they're becoming separate arts, um, and, and that's sort of because the games are so different moods. I don't know if you have anything to add on that. Yeah, the, the one thing I, I would um, highlight is that the spinner's length in test cricket against the spinner's length in T20 cricket are two different lengths. You, you, you talked about the repetition, which which is you know a, a very, very good point. But I think the, the length that... Um, a Narine, let's use him as an example, that would would bowl in a T20 match, his length rarely would hit the stumps. So his length is probably between the five to six metre length in that range, where Nathan Lyon is looking to hit a length which is between three and four. So, you know, the lengths are, you know, completely different. You know, Nathan Lyon is wanting the batsman to come forward. He's trying to get the inside edge or beat the outside edge, get caught slip, caught behind, or look for the bat pad either offside or leg side. When Narayan is hitting higher into the bat and, and just his number one priority is I'm, I'm restrict, restricting him from scoring, but if he's not scoring, there's a chance if, I, if he's not reading me, he's going to edge it off to the keeper or the slip because Narayan quite often would have a slip as well. So I think that the, the length is a big thing. And I think the other thing, which is an interesting uh, one, and I'll throw it out there, is because these leagues around the world are so highly paid, I think the spinners and these, these unique spinners that we see have favoured the shorter form and not avoided test cricket, but it's been easier for them to say, well, you know, I don't need to have test cricket in my diet Mm. because I'm getting well fed through playing all this franchise cricket around, around the world and getting paid millions because they are top dollar picks. 
these these unique spinners. So I'm just going to withdraw myself test cricket. I don't need the test matches where the spinner's throwing the ball and you bowl 50 to 60 overs. It's not my. It's not in my wheelhouse. I'm best suited to, to this format of the game. It's 24 balls. I'm done and dusted and I move on and I'm getting huge reward right. both from a cricketing perspective but also financially. Yeah, it's, it's hard to defeat that mood. And, and, and Freddie, I think, Sunil Narayan, when he played a couple of test matches, I think he played a couple against New Zealand. I remember way back uh, a few years ago, well, I should say way back, he talked about patience as well, having to be much more patient and bowl a higher volume of overs naturally in test match cricket. That in itself was a challenge for him because in T20 cricket, guys are coming, you're getting wickets frequently, even though there are challenges of being hit out of the park. So all fantastic stuff and explanations good numbers freddy uh good explanations moods yeah look just what the, the final thing i want to add and i i quite often sort of talk about it uh from an artistic point of view mm. uh, to me your test cricketer the spin bowler he's got a completely blank canvas so he has to create the story, create the picture. There's right. absolutely nothing there apart from a, a, a blank canvas. He's got all the colours. He's got all the different paintbrushes he can go for his life. Where in T20 cricket or even 50 over cricket, the canvas has got areas that are filled in, sketches. He's just got to add the colours to those shapes. So it's a lot easier for the spinner to be able to perform in a shorter format because half the job has been done because the game is dictating the pace the game has to run. So the, the batsman has to go at the spinner. So it's so much easier. So that's that patience point that you brought up, Bish. It's so much easier for a spinner or a, I'm not just picking on spinners, but for any bowler in shorter form cricket because the game comes to them where your Nathan Lyons of the world um, that, you know, dominate test cricket and are an absolute joy to watch bowling in test cricket, they don't have that. They have to create that scene. They have to create the setting for those opportunities. Wow, I bet that uh, our listeners never heard cricket compared to Van Gogh before. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it sort of lends to what will be coming up in future podcasts. Uh, listeners out there are going to be asking how can batsmen then more adequately survive and evolve in this format of the game? How are the fast bowlers doing? Different formats of the game. Test cricket is a mind-blowing format still. So I want to thank you, Freddie. Thank you very much, Tom. And I want to give a little shout-out as well, just on the way we started the podcast, to Australia's women's team, who for, was it, four or fifth time they've won the T20 World Cup, to Bangladesh's under-19 team, who won the Under-19 Cricket World Cup for the first time in their history. Uh, Yashasvi Jaiswal, Tom, you were there having a look at the way he performed, Ravi Bishnoi, so many other Under-19 players that are making the world game and the future of the world game, whenever it restarts, a great one. So thank you very much, Freddie. Thank you very much, Tom, for everything. Thank you for our listeners. As you listen to this into the future, we hope that you're more informed and entertained. See you next time. Thank you.